Empowering people to overcome obstacles and walk in their unique purpose. That's what we're discussing today on The Devil is Alive. The Devil is Alive. Here's your host, Angel Nicole. The Devil is Alive. We all face moments of adversity. However, I think it's safe to say that we all respond to those instances differently. Today's guest hails from Kingston, Jamaica, but currently resides in my hometown of Detroit, Michigan. He knows a thing or two about overcoming adversity, and it wasn't something that started as an adult. That 11, 12-year gap, my parents went through a divorce. So being raised by a single-parent mother um, who was an educator, 30-year educator, PhD, Dr. Janice Connor, raising my brother and I, and the question becomes to me, especially, how do you play a role when you weren't given a script? How do you become a man if you don't see one, much less interact with one? And so I was going through a, a personal battle of my own with my identity, with who I am. And the man who I modeled and emulated was gone. Today, he travels the world to empower others from his personal testimony of overcoming stage four cancer to receiving the President Barack Obama Volunteer Service Award. I'm excited to share my friend with y'all. Please help me welcome Dr. Eddie Connor. Welcome to the show, Eddie. What an honor it is to be with you, the voice of choice. <laughs> Great to share with you and your platform and your audience. <laughs> now, Eddie, I'm going to tell you before we get started. The show is only 30 minutes, so you cannot go on your long... <laughs> you know how you you you'll start preaching to us. <laughs> I'll only get to say Listen, this, y'all, and y'all won't hear my voice no more. <laughs> Listen, if I preach, you got to do the altar call. So you know the, the <laughs> door the doors of the church open because the, the doors of the church are open because <laughs> the devil is alive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's a question that I have for you. Because, like, in looking at your resume, like, you've done a lot. But when you walk into a room, you don't have that resume in front of you and just out for everybody to read and review. Have you ever walked into a situation where people are looking at you like, you're not even 40. How are you going to tell me anything? How are you going to preach to me? How are you going to teach me? How are you going to learn me? And then how do you respond to that? Yeah, you know... um, I guess I, I did have a little imposter syndrome with that because, you know, my age does not reflect my resume. And even though a lot of people say, oh, you've done a lot, I don't think I've done enough. So with with all of the questions that I know are swirling in people's heads, much less the people who come up to me, whether previous, whether before or after I speak, when I get to the stage, I just take it on. I said, I know y'all looking at me and you, you're trying to figure out how old I am. So I tell him I'm older than I'm older than Michael B. Jordan, younger than Michael Jordan. I'm older than Jaden Smith, younger than Will Smith. So, <laughs> and I and I tell him I say, you know what, black don't crack, brown won't let you down, beige don't age, tan got a plan, and even lighter do you right. So I get everybody in the room and they laughing just like you are, and it loosens them up, but it also loosens me up too because it's saying, hey, you know what, I'm not so serious that I can't make fun of myself. And and bring everybody together mm-hmm. for why we are here. So how like what if it's like a meeting and it's like more of like an intimate type situation? Like because I mean for me I can literally I can see it you know germinating in their head. What is this black girl? This little black girl right. about to say to me? 
And then if I say, hey, I've been working in media like over 20 years, they're like, when, where, how? So like, how do you handle that in like close quarters when you're not on stage? Yeah, you know, um, no need for us to be excoriated because of we found a fountain of youth, much less you got good genes. And I think one thing is just um, being true to who you are, you know, uh, embracing your authenticity before they do it. And to a certain degree, not necessarily proving to them, but just showing that you can hold it down in any specific arena, atmosphere, when you open up your mouth, when you speak, you know, your experience is greater than your years. And so um, I think, you know, it, it mm-hmm. starts off with with people saying, uh-uh. Then they're like, hmm. Then after that, they're like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a buildup. Because, you know, you once you walk out the room, you, you know, you just able just to just slay, slay and pray. And, and, and really, you just indicated that the devil is a lie. <laughs> I got this all together. Right. And, uh, exactly. I can hold my own, you know. So. <laughs> so when you look at yourself and you look at the things that you have accomplished, I know you said earlier, you know, you still don't feel like you've accomplished enough. And. I know when I look at your resume, even just being able to say that you beat cancer. How many times have you beat cancer? One and done. Was it just the one time? Yeah, just one time. One time. Okay. So you beat cancer, but it was stage four cancer. That's correct. For you, how old were you when you had to go through that process? And what was the one thing that kept you motivated to get through it? Great question. I was 15, you know, I was a sophomore in high school, getting ready to play basketball and dealt with this big blow. All of a sudden, you you know, you're depressed and, and mentally discombobulated and really wanted to just give up, wanted to throw in the towel. And um, to be diagnosed with non-Hoskins lymphoma, stage four cancer, be out of school my sophomore year, was very, very deleterious. The, the only thing that really kept me going through all of that was really the prayers of my mother, my belief and faith in God that I was just one treatment closer to healing, one visitation closer, right? And so I had to continue to, to, to motivate myself. I had to compete against something and beat something that I couldn't see. And uh, because of that, by the grace of God, I was able to find the can in cancer and live through dying places. So there's a clip that I play earlier um, during this episode and you're on a show, uh, I believe on our Jamaican network and you're talking about, you know, being 11 or 12 when your parents got divorced. And so putting things in perspective, you're 11 or 12, your parents are divorced, your father is absent, you and your brother are raised by a single mother And now you have this added stress of dealing with cancer at 15. You have been able to make it through adversity, literally like bam, 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 from a child. As an adult, what would you tell your younger self to encourage you, to empower you, and to even maybe foreshadow where you landed, like in this moment. I know you still got a lot of work to do, but in this moment to foreshadow where you ended up. Oh, boy, that's uh, maybe one of the uh, 
<laughs> deepest questions I've been asked, and I've done a lot of interviews, but between that Jamaican one and this question here, very, very deep. I, I would say to you know myself, in looking back in retrospect, it's only going to get better despite how worse it is. It's only going to get sweeter despite how bitter the circumstance is right now. And not focusing just on this moment, but thinking ahead. And I would tell myself, hey, you owe it to your future self not to give up because there's another young man years from now who's going to need you to overcome to be able to share your story. That's good. Now, you've written 13 books to date and all bestsellers. What are some advice that you would give to aspiring writers? Uh Good question. Don't don't do what Stop I do. Stop telling me what? my questions are good. All my questions are good. <laughs> well, it's a good question because people don't necessarily ask me that all the time. They just want to say, "Well, how do you become a bestseller?" You know. So um, I, I was mm. I would say, don't be like me, and that is one: don't procrastinate on your writing. Number two: don't try to sit down and write twenty pages uh, in a day. Which I do all the time, and I and I don't force my writing. I let it just become a flow. If I have to force a topic, I don't want to write about it. I'm not going to find any enjoyment from it. But I would just really figure out who is your specific niche, who is your audience, um, what is your, what is your purpose in writing? You know, who who are you at your core? Are you being authentic? Did you how do you go about finding your authentic voice? That's one of the main things. Can you find your authentic voice? You can't write like, you know, Nikki Giovanni. We can't write like Angel Nicole and know you're a best-selling author as well. We can't write like Maya Angelou. You can be inspired by them, but you have to uh, find out who you are at your core to be able to present what it is that you want the, writer, the reader to experience on those pages. For me, I was able to turn my pain into power through the power of a pen. Yeah. Now, is there a way that you can help kind of pull out your authentic voice? I feel like there's one, it's one thing to be told, be authentic, empower people, like these go-to words that we continue to hear, but nobody tells us how do we do that? How do we get there? So do you have a formula or an exercise that can actually help somebody really drill down? Because to be honest, with social media and everything else that kind of saturates us i don't think a lot of people actually know who they are no no i don't think they are i don't think a lot of people know who they are because they're 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 focused on the filter all social media is always about how happy you are not necessarily about how you're living through dying places for me i felt like i had to write some bad books to find my authentic voice (laughs) you know what i'm saying i mean uh, some of my books that are popular now were not popular instantaneously. They just became popular based upon, okay, he's got this litany of work. Your growth. Let's go back and, and, and check mm-hmm. it out, right? But I can ex- I can see my growth. And, and I think it's all about being able to imbibe your world, being able to take on your world, being able to actually be a critical thinker, to really minimize much of the minutia that's out there. And really find out what it is that you are most passionate about. What is your specific purpose? And I think you got to ask those specific questions. Who am I? Uh, what do I want out of life? What is my purpose? What was I created and called to do? Where am I going? And then also, who do I want coming with me? 
being able to narrow down many of those answers that a lot of people cannot necessarily uh, delineate and define is what is really going to help you to, to chart your course and even become a better writer. And you become a better writer as you are a reader. Very true. I know in, in <laughs> college they told us if you want to yeah. be a good writer, you got to read. Yeah, now, what I want to ask you now, you're a preacher, step into churches just as much as you will step into an educational institution and really pour into people. In today's climate, as we look at just the trajectory of things that are happening in our world, what would be one thing that you would implore on people to be mindful of as it relates to pursuing their passion and fulfilling their purpose? Uh, something I would implore upon people to pursue their passion, their purpose. I would really encourage them to def define and find out what their specific gift is and not be so focused on just doing one thing. I, I remember I was speaking at an event and the, uh, the pastor was uh, having me speak to his leaders about church growth and where the church is going and really how to connect to millennials and do virtual ministry. He was introducing me. He said, Eddie's problem is the fact that we can't put him in a box. If he has one specific weakness at all, it's the fact that we can't put him in the box. He's going to speak here. He's going to do a secular event there. Uh, he, he's going to write books. He's going to do a radio show. He's going to do TV. He's going to break the box. And that's one of the things that I think you really have to discover. Try as many things as possible and not be afraid of the failure. You know, if, if COVID-19 taught us anything is can you touch somebody without touching somebody? Can you be there without being there? Can you literally touch somebody's heart without using your hand? Can you really forsake the familiar? The, the, the most dangerous place to be in life is not when you're wa walking on waters, when you're staying in a boat. You got to get out of the shallow level of shallow minded thinking, shallow friendships and literally take a bold step to do something different. Rebrand, reinvent, refresh, reinvigorate yourself and, and do something different to get something different. What if you're feeling stuck, though, and you're not sure how to do that because you've spent the majority of your life pretending to be something that you're not? And so that self-awareness and identity, it's almost lost. Yeah. And I think if anything, you're going to have to take some time to be by yourself in the midst of family, in the midst of relationships, in the midst of marriage, whatever the case may be. You may have to get up early. You may have to stay up later. Right. But to actually fulfill your specific purpose. You're going to have to identify what are the key attributes and traits of yourself. You got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Got to be uncomfortable with being comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think every single day, you got to find some way, some shape or form to be able to challenge yourself. I'm getting ready to release a new book soon. And it feels like it's going to be the first one for me because I'm still in the mindset of I can do something better than what I've already done. I can write this differently. I'm challenging myself each and every single day. And, I, you know, a lot of times we get stuck on our laurels and that, that's fine sometimes that we do get stuck, but we can't stay there. We have to continue to say, I got a new chance. Mm -hmm. I beat this specific obstacle. I got another opportunity. 
let me do something different or things are just going to stay the same. Got to challenge yourself. That was the voice of Dr. Eddie Connor, international speaker, best-selling author, and just an amazing individual. You're tuned into the Double Is Alive podcast with Angel Nicole. The devil is alive. Eddie, we have to move into the devil is alive moment. Please. This is where I'm going to ask you to share a place in time that you did not know how you were going to overcome a particular obstacle. So I would like to know what that obstacle was, how you got out of it, and what was waiting for you on the other side. Now, this can be something self-inflicted. It could be like, yo, like I just didn't think I could do this. I was going to talk myself out of it. Um, That imposter syndrome that we kind of talked about earlier in the show. But this part of the show for me, is the segment where I really find that we're able to pour into others because a lot of times people look at where we are, they look at what we've accomplished and they assume, oh, life is wonderful. And they may not understand what we've been through to get to where we are today. So that is why we do the devil is a lie moment. But the floor is yours. Yeah, I can vividly remember like it was yesterday. I'm walking into my guidance counselor's office and I think it's somewhere junior, senior year. And she says to me, you know, you're not going to college, Eddie. Don't even think about going to community college, pick up a trade. Guidance counselor, I got no guidance nor counseling. She knew my favorite two classes in school were gym and lunch. And I love to chase the girls in gym and then sit down and eat with them at lunch. And I had a 2.6 or 2.7 GPA staring at me in my face. My ACT uh, wasn't too high either. And I said, I'm going to go to college despite all the obstacles, insurmountable odds that are stacked against me, coming fresh out of beating cancer. And uh, I wrote an uh, essay to Eastern Michigan University, and they, they literally brought me into the college, admitted me based upon what I had overcome, translated it. And, and moved from 2.7 to 3.7 GPA. And now the college expenses are staring me at my face. Do I really deserve to be here? How am I going to stay here? I don't have the money to be here. Much less my mother's in my ear. If you come back home, make sure that you get a job. If you're going to live up in my basement and you're paying rent. And so what I decided to do, I, I understood that I had the power of the pen. It got me into Eastern. It got me to college. And I believe the power of the pen was going to keep me in college. And so I, I ransacked the whole university, whether it is uh, applying for scholarships, grants, didn't want anything to do with loans at all. And I was able to maybe not procure every specific scholarship or grant, but much of the money to be able to keep me on campus and to adhere to the promise that I made to myself to prove a guidance counselor wrong. And the same person who told me I'd never go to college had to show up to my graduation from college. There Why'd she it. have to show up? Hey, she couldn't believe it. <laughs> she couldn't really? believe it. You were that couldn't... bad? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm, I'm a success story. And I was the least likely. <laughs> so, Eddie, like, you have, again, like I said, you've accomplished so much. And I'm just curious for you of everything that you've done, even though I know you're like, I haven't done that much. What is, what has been your greatest success to date for you personally? Mm, um, You know, my grandfather would say, he would sing a song. If I could travel, if I could uh, help somebody as I travel along and my living will not be in vain. He told me, he said, Eddie, you never have to tell anybody how good you are. If you're good at what you do, they'll tell you. 
And without a doubt, my greatest success is in mentoring young men to become their best selves. Taught school for 12 years in local high school. And I started a, a program called Boys to Books, uh, empowering young men through literacy, leadership, life skills, enrichment. And uh, it's an opportunity for me to mentor my 13, 14, 15-year-old self when my father wasn't there, when other mentors who I specifically aspired to get close to didn't have the, the place to uh, close the gap on the proximity. And uh, based upon me just investing into the lives of young men, worked in Congress uh, with former Congressman Hanson Clark and former President Obama, uh, picked up our language that we crafted and created, HRS 721, a resolution to bolster literacy among African-American and Hispanic boys. And he used it to create the My Brother's Keeper initiative. Who knows, you know, if I would have had an opportunity to uh, connect with President Obama, much less receive an award, much less even be able to do the local work here in the city of Detroit, if I had not started the mentorship program. And so uh, it, it wasn't about a reward, it wasn't about an award. It was about seeing our young men overcome obstacles, be readers and leaders, not be pariahs and predators, but providers and protectors, graduate from college and really just be model citizens. And so uh, if anything, that's my claim to fame. I hear you and the desire that you had to be mentors to young boys. How important or imperative is it as adults to have mentors to help continue to guide you through your career, your uh, business, and even just relationships? Yeah, you know, I think it's very imperative. Um, a lot of times we see mentorship as only the older to the younger, but there it's not just uh, from the top down, it's also uh, across from the middle out. And I think, um, especially as men, men need mentors. You know, you can't even spell the word mentor without men. And a lot of times we figure, we think we have it all figured out. We think we know it all. But even for me, you know, where I am, I'm always consulting whether it's a former principal of mine uh, who came to visit me in the hospital and helped me through uh, deleterious circumstances and situations. Businessmen who I try to surround myself with who have already walked the path because life teaches you in two ways mistakes and mentors. I'd rather learn from the, the mistake of a mentor than for me to make my own and bump my own head. And so uh, those who have charted the path and trailblaze, uh, you know, they can give you the, the the necessary needed information and guidance. And I think it is lowering our pride and understanding this. A know-it-all really knows nothing at all. Gotta be receptive to listen and to learn. So where you are today, I heard you say you have a book coming out. Before we got started, you were telling me about a new show um, that's airing during Black History Month. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Because I think that speaks to and aids to what you're saying around young mentoring our young men. Absolutely. A show called Mentoring Kings, and uh, they're based out of Chicago. They do uh, have they've done so much great work in regards to inculcating themselves in the community, but also showcasing black males who are doing the work in the community. Um, not just the celebrities, but those who, um, the nameless, the faceless individuals who don't always get the credit 
but they are the unsung heroes. They've, they've had individuals on there, uh, whether it be many of the rap stars, whether it be many of the entertainers. Um, I'm specifically on an episode now with David Mann, uh, as well as um, another young man who uh, played in the NFL. Uh, he's doing some work with the, this, with the Cleveland Browns. And so it's just great to be able to share much of the work. It's coming on ABC, NBC, CBS, as well as um, Bounce TV throughout the course of uh, Black History Month. I love it. So do you have, I know you had your vision conference. Do you have any conferences or special events or anything on the horizon? For me, <laughs> I may do another one. I, I don't know. I, but it was great to have you on there to come and talk about business, to empower women, to really just be uh, true to who you are and, and just share your, your victory as well as through your vibrancy. Maybe there will be another one that comes, you know, uh, COVID still is is rearing. I'm, it's it's ugly head. And so I want to do something in person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I've been virtualed out. I'm, t- I'm tired of just dressing from the waist up. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe one of these days we will. And, you know, I got to have you back as of a matter course. of fact. How can people get in contact with you so they can learn more? Stay abreast of what you have going on. Uh, get connected to your previous books. Absolutely. You know, I've got a new book coming out. It's uh, the continuation of a book that I thought it was just final uh, called Dear Queen. But this is Dear Queen Volume 2, uh, How to Wear Your Crown, Walk in Authority and Authenticity. And so uh, that'll be coming out very, very soon. Um, well, you must be talking about me. I, I must be. I must be. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you do. <laughs> That's what you do from from America to Angola and, and everything in between. <laughs> three snaps and a neck roll, a hair flip, a high five. And three in, snaps. In a, in a skirt and scriptures. And you tell everybody, you tell all the haters, the devil is a lie. All that. Uh, I'm coming through because I knew the assignment. Act like you know. Act like you know. I don't know what the, you don't know what the song is on social media. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah, you do all that. So it it is about incredible women like yourself who do that. And um, Dear Queen was my magnum opus. It was my thriller, so to speak. And I don't think it was necessarily my best written book, but it still is selling like crazy. So I say, hey, let me, I, I got more to say, really. And so I wanted to do so. That was, that you had that one when we were uh, at the NAACP event where That's we right. met. Yeah, yeah. Yep, it came out in 2017. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So okay. uh I don't know if there's any correlation. Con- Kanye's dropping down to two. I'm dropping Dear Queen to. He he was trying to do two twenty two twenty two. That's my original date. I don't know if I'm gonna stay in. I don't know if I'm adhere to it. Maybe I should just tell him like Kanye does that it's coming out on that right. day and just drop three weeks later. But anyway. Right. When it comes, <laughs> it comes. <laughs> uh but people can get connected to me. Um Revolution not only be televised, it be digitized. Connect with me, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Eddie Connor Jr. Put some respect on my name, E-D-D-I-E-C-O-N-N-O-R-J-R. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, too. We don't stop there. So at Eddie Connor Jr. And then, of course, they can pre-order the the book. Um, Going to DrEddieAcademy.com forward slash Dear Queen, as well as Join My Academy, where we focus on faith, identity, relationships, speaker training. And it's an online digital academy. 
that we have ongoing. So I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much for all of this amazing information that you have shared. I always love having you on and just conversing with you, being able to share with my audience. It's a true, true pleasure. Appreciate it. The, the, the honor is all mine and you truly are doing amazing work. Continue to uh, uh, really just speak truth to power and use your platform to empower as well. So thank you. Thank you. And to you at home, please be sure to drop a comment on our podcast page and share a review. We'd love to know how you're enjoying the podcast. And I've also had a number of you reach out trying to figure out how do you follow me on social media? You can surely do so at The Angel Nicole on all social media platforms. The Devil is Alive is a production of the Alive Podcast Network, an entity of DC Media Connection. Engineered by Julio Gonzalez of Zymer.co and music provided by Audio Vibes. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on social media at Alive Podcast Network. If you're interested in joining the Alive Podcast Network, visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com to learn more. We hope that you enjoyed today's show. And remember, there is greatness within you. And if anyone tells you any different, the devil is alive. Until next time, be blessed. The devil is alive.